The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. This episode is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Get headphones, earbuds, and accessories from TweakedAudio.com. Just enter the discount code CAFCOMICS, that's all one word at the checkout. You'll get 33% off your entire order, free worldwide shipping, and a limited lifetime warranty on everything you buy. That's TweakedAudio.com. And now... It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. I have been seeing that intro so long, yes, I, uh, for the last six years, that I was trying to consciously think of it the other day. I don't know why. I was, uh, I was in San Diego the last couple of days. Uh, which was fun to be at San Diego when it's not Comic-Con. Because I was like, oh, there's a whole city here. Yeah, <laughs> there's other things to do. Yeah, it's n- it, it's not just the it's massive convention center, the parking lots to the massive convention center, and a Wendy's a couple of blocks a bit later. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I was thinking about doing the podcast today when I was on the plane coming back, and I'm like, yeah, and every week I open with, well, well, wait, what do I say? What do I say? It's, um, I say it's like an autopilot. Yeah. It's like when I write my checking account number down on like the deposit slip or whatever at a bank mm-hmm. i don't think about it and then last week i was thinking about it and i didn't i couldn't i couldn't remember yeah. it it was like <laughs> it's like i got uh i had to go to the bank i'm like i actually don't know what my account number is i usually do he's like do you want me to write it down i'm like no i know it i just don't know it right now <laughs> yeah well you get into these patterns i mean so many uh so many shows are like that. Like John Oliver always opens with "Welcome, welcome, welcome." Yeah, every week. Every week, it's the same thing. I noticed uh, Bill Maher, who I'm not a fan of, but I watch his show because I don't know. <laughs> I want to hear somebody scream about politics. He opens every show the same kind of way. Everyone's clapping. He's like, "Oh, I know why you're happy," and it's like it's like everyone has like their little uh, yeah, their little thing. Yeah, you know? my, one of my favorites is Jimmy Pardo, who does a podcast. Uh, uh, forever he was like one of the first guys doing podcasts like before mark maron um he used to be the warm-up guy for conan and he's really funny he's an old chicago guy um kind of looks like popeye he's like real scrappy yeah <laughs> but uh he always opens with, with hello everybody indeed <laughs> i don't know hello what, everybody indeed. indeed yeah i don't know why yeah he opens that's with a good indeed. opening yeah it's great his father-in-law is chekhov from star trek so every now and then he just tells the real the, the real walter koenig yeah yeah he married walter koenig's daughter that's cool so uh so every now and then he tells like a crazy inside star trek story yeah and he's like i'm not really into star trek but i was talking to my father-in-law and he yeah. said this about william shatner <laughs> uh, turns out william shatner is a real piece of shit that guy yeah <laughs> Uh, so this week there's been a few things bouncing around. Um, the first thing, both in print and in movies, uh, Endgame continues to make billions and billions of dollars. It is it, uh, second only to Avatar I be- in the box office. It beat Titanic. It, yeah, it hasn't beat Avatar. And James and Cameron wrote like a nice note about it beating Titanic. Yeah, um, it is number one again for the third week in a row. Yeah, and I uh, probably was, not the last. <laughs> I think it's like I don't know what's gonna unseat it. Possibly Spider Man. <laughs> I don't know what else is coming out that is gonna be able to slow the momentum of this. Right. Yeah. The um, something's coming very very soon. And X-Men, oh, Aladdin. A- Aladdin's coming on the twenty fourth. X Men is coming out in June. Nobody expects it to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one I've talked to that wants to see it. I don't even care. <laughs> and then my, my, uh, didn't Disney announce they, they canceled Gambit, which, surprise. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I've been asking for this for two years. Channing Tatum was... Channing Tatum could pay, play Colossus. That's all I would give him. Yeah, I don't even think I'd give him that. Colossus has got a lot of range. I yeah, don't Channing, know that I say Tatum this, has. He's Channing, really funny. I say this so many times I want to hashtag it. Channing's, Channing Tatum's face doesn't do anything. Yeah. He's, I do not think he's oh, funny. Oh, you should do a mean I think tweet people about give it. him funny things to write. I think people give him funny lines and he says them. Yeah. Well, I agree. I uh, He's good in the new 21 Jump Street remake I liked. Nah. And then I saw him. Brie in- Larson was in that. That was one was of the first she? things I noticed. Brie Larson. Yeah, she was like the nice girl that like. Brie liked Larson Johnny is Hill. a mystery to me. I saw She's her. Been in, around a long time. I saw her in the King Kong movie, yeah. and I was like, okay, that's Brie Larson. But then everyone's like, she was in Scott Pilgrim, and it's like, okay, I know the character she plays, and then I watch that movie, and I don't recognize. I actually her. got her character wrong in Scott Pilgrim because because I was trying to figure out who Brie Larson was. She was on. Uh, she did a few episodes of Community. And I was like, oh, that girl's really familiar. And then they were like, oh, she was in Scott Pilgrim. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she was the mean drummer in Scott Pilgrim. And she wasn't. Mm-hmm. She was like the pop star ex-girlfriend. Yeah, see, I, I don't know. I it's watched like, it again not too long ago, like six months ago. I've only seen it twice. But yeah, she and she was like a teen pop star. Like she had like Wait, songs. In, like, in real the, life? Yeah, she was like a Disney. She was like an Ariana Grande in like the early aughts. That's weird. Like a Hillary Duff. Yeah. Yeah, somebody like uncovered her her stuff. There was um there's a great uh interview on uh, the red carpet of Endgame and they showed a clip of 13 going on 30 which was that Jennifer Garner movie where it was like big but it was Jennifer Garner. Okay. Uh, and Mark Ruffalo was in it, and they showed Mark Ruffalo a picture of like all the uh, the the girls in her class when she's thirteen, and Brie Larson's one of those girls, and he's like, "Oh wow, <laughs> yeah, she was in. I, I didn't have any scenes with. Her. Oh man, look!" And he shows his wife. He's like, "Look, look, she's in this." Yeah, <laughs> Mark, Mark Ru- Ruffalo is a human treasure. <laughs> oh, he's so great. Well, Mark uh, Ruffalo was like a perfect indie actor. The first time I ever saw Mark Ruffalo was in this movie, The Kids Are Alright, which had Julianne Moore. And he played like this kind of hippie guy. And he seemed like a John Turturro type. So he always feels this way to me that he doesn't know why he's in these movies, but yeah. he's delighted. And I think I be- uh, he, the first one he does is Avengers. So I, I feel like he's a Joss Whedon idea. I feel like Joss Whedon's like, you know, who's really an interesting oh. guy is Mark Ruffalo. Because Ed Norton had been fired by that point. Yeah. And I feel like Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk comes from the same place that James Spader as Ultron comes from. And that was absolutely Joss Whedon's Yeah, idea. that makes a lot of sense. Because Joss Whedon was even talking back when the first Avengers was getting made that uh, he wanted to do Paul Bettany as the Vision. So yes. like that whole thing and of Paul Bettany had been cast as Jarvis already. Right, right. Um, but he was only doing voiceover. They didn't have any other plans. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and Joss Whedon said during the first one, he's like, you know what we should do? If we do the second one, we'll bring in Vision and Paul Bettany should play him, so we'll make him an upgrade from Jarvis. Right. So it the idea that he came from Iron Man's operating system was to give a reason for the guy who did the voiceover to suit on, up. in the suit to be the vision. Yeah. Which is cool. And then um, Jennifer Connelly uh, took over as the voice when it went to Friday. Yeah, and they're married. They're married. Yeah, yeah. and Jennifer Connelly uh, is in Marvel continuity. No, she's in... She's in the Hulk movie. No, it's, uh, she's in the Ang Lee Hulk movie. Who's the Betty Ross in that Hulk movie? Um, the Betty Ross in that movie is Liv Tyler. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, and they look so similar yeah. that I I always get those confused. Okay, but Liv Tyler was in Lord of the Rings, and she's Steven Tyler's daughter. Yes, uh, and the then I get her guy. confused with Evangeline Lilly because Evangeline Lilly was the elf in the Hobbit. Oh right, and they're and all tall the brunettes, and she's the wasp. Yeah, everyone's in the fucking Marvel movies now. <laughs> it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if if you want to work, you're in a Marvel movie. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's so easy for me. To explain to my kids who people are. Oh, by what yeah, Marvel movie? It's like in. if it's somebody that I love from like the eighties or nineties, I'm like, Oh my god, look, Glenn Close is in this and he's like, Who's that? I'm like, She was in Gardens of the Galaxy. There's always yeah, there's, there's always a superhero movie. It's a reference. Well, because <laughs> we were talking about um uh Matt Damon. Oh yeah, and, and he's and, in and Thor. <laughs> yeah, he's in Thor for two seconds. Yeah. He's in Thor Ragnarok for like two seconds. But then he was also in Thirty Rock for one season. Yeah. So we we've seen all of Thirty Rock. So I can just throw it over there. Um But yeah, nothing can stop Avengers. There's a big movie out this weekend which is just trouncing. Hellboy just disappeared without a trace. Uh, yeah, I don't even know if that um I'm still in theaters. Yeah, there's there nothing's gonna be able to withstand it. I don't even think Spider Man's gonna beat it. I think in its opening week, Spider-Man will, because this will be the first movie after it. Yeah, I think it'll do well. I think it'll do better than Homecoming, because Homecoming, uh, Homecoming did fine. It did as well as Thor Ragnarok, but a movie, in if you're talking about a franchise movie, it always lives on the word of mouth of the last movie. Right. Way more than the marketing or any of the press or the trailers. It's always about what the last one did. So Homecoming didn't do that great. Because the last movie was the one with Jamie Foxx as Electro. Yes. And I always kind of go to go, my go-to is like, how was the general public perceive this? Is what questions do my parents ask me about this movie? Mm. And my dad was like, they're making another Spider-Man, but it's the same. It's a different guy. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, but this is the same Spider-Man from Civil War, from the Captain America movie. I'm like, right. yeah. Like, my dad was kind of like, if he's unsure, it's like the yeah. general public, I think, is because we're so steeped in all this crap. We know everything you're doing, you know, five years out or whatever. Yeah, my litmus test for how movies in a series do is to remember that Batman Begins may had like, one of the lowest box offices of any of the Batmans because it had been seven years. Right. Maybe eight. I think it had been eight years. Oh, wait, let me do the math in my head. Seven years. It's been seven years since Batman and Robin, but the general public was like, oh, that last Batman with George Clooney was bad. Sucked. So yeah. Batman Begins came in fifth for the year. If you think but about then, it. But then the Dark Knight oh, was came huge. after Batman Begins, which people eventually got around to and thought it was good. Yeah. Then that was unstoppable. Dark Knight beat Iron Man. Yeah. So, so it always lives on the back. So now this is, for the general public, Far From Home is... Is has got everything going for it because it's the next movie after Avengers, which everyone saw, and Spider Man's in it. And by the way, we are a part of the spoiler ban on Endgame. It's been lifted on Monday, and I am seeing memes from the end of the movie all over. Yeah, I saw a commercial. The, the, the other trailers day. for the movie show the final fight. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys are just holding nothing back. No, the Russos came out and said, "Hey, as of Monday, the spoiler ban is lifted." And I was yeah. like, I was like, I don't think you can control the fandom in that way. But I... they were talking about themselves. Yeah, yeah, I think they were basically saying, like, because with a spoiler ban comes, like, well, when can we talk about it publicly and make jokes on the internet, which a lot of, obviously, assholes don't abide by, but I think they know the marketing is shifting for the movie to now show the biggest movie of all time, show these great epic fight scenes and all the other nonsense. Well, it reminds me um, when the 89 Batman was out, which you just saw in the theater. Yeah, last week. 
Um, how was that in the theater? Uh, confusing. It was good. I love that movie. It's um, I'd never seen it on the big screen, so it was a real uh, treat or whatever to go like see it. Uh, we went for my sister's birthday, and um, what actually I spent like it's it's weird, and it's weird because uh, I saw that movie a bunch as a kid, and I must have taken it for granted. Because it was always around. But you saw it on video. Right, right. Okay. But then Batman the Dark Knight came out, and I'm like, man, this guy's the Joker. Heath Ledger, like, wow. Like, uh, so unnerving, so crazy. Like, he does a really good job. Like, I was a big fan of uh, what Heath Ledger did with the Joker and Batman. And then I don't know that I'd really watched Batman 89 all the way through, like, kind of taking it in as like a movie. Come out? Right. So this was like the first time in like 20 years, probably I watched that movie all the way through. And like Jack Nicholson is crazy in that movie. (laughs) And it's like, uh, I think I must have just as a kid, like taking it for granted how good a job he did in it. He's a great Joker. He is so good. People have kind of pushed him to the wayside, but honestly, he's in the top three. Easily. And I think it's, yeah, I think, I understand, Heath Ledger, I think, really did carve out, like, a little niche for himself. Yeah. That was a challenge to do that, and kudos to him to do it. And and he said he was intimidated to follow Jack Nicholson in that role. Yeah, how could you not be? And and you see that everything he did was the opposite of what Jack Nicholson was doing. And what Jack Nicholson was doing wasn't that far away from what Cesar Romero did, but he just kind of, he, he amped it up a little bit more and he gave it a, a little bit more of a dark edge. Yeah. Cause he, when he brought more of Jack into it, but also to lean into that movie, he wasn't as silly as Romero was, but it was still going on that track. And Mark Hamill, is still of that track. Right, like it's Mar- cut from the same cloth. Yeah, the brilliance of Mark Hamill, um, I always think it's unfair to put him in there because you never saw him physically do it. Yeah. But his his voiceover work is so far and above a- any of the other guys that did it, like John DiMaggio or Kevin Michael Richardson, the other voice actors, that um, that it's he, sta- he stands with the live action, even though it's only half his. But Mark Hamill kept the highs and lows so well. Yeah. Like he like the big high pitched laughs and then when he would get angry, he could do that switch really well. Heath Ledger didn't do anything that any of those guys did. And all of it worked. Right. Whereas Jared Leto didn't do anything that any of those guys did in none of Heath it worked. Ledger, none of it worked. Yeah. And we'll see what what's his name does with it at the end of the year or whatever. I'm interested in that but, Joaquin Phoenix um, Joker, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's interesting, but um, we'll, we'll How see. How is it visually on the big screen? Uh, it's awesome. I think the one thing I uh, noticed more in this movie, because it was on like a bigger screen, is um, you always kind of wonder how they did the smile. And I thought he was wearing like something that they give you at the dentist where they hold your mouth open. But he's actually got a layer of fake lips yeah. in front because his teeth, and I only noticed this on the big screen, are far are set very far back mm-hmm. because his mouth has this like... It's like two fake lips, one on top, one on the bottom. Yep. It's like this bigger prosthetic. Um, and the, the cheeks are all prosthetics. Right, yeah. right. So it, it's really cool. Um, and that was a cool thing at the time because Cesar Romero was just painted white. Yeah. Painted white, given a green wig, and had the lipstick and kept his mustache and yeah. ran out and did it. That that was a shock the first time I saw it. I was in high school when that movie came out, and I was a big Batman fan because Dark Knight Returns pulled yeah. me back into both Batman and DC. Uh, so I had been like super hardcore for like a couple of years and then I was reading the monthlies and then they killed off Jason Todd and then I was 
obsessed and I had basically quit Marvel. But I was shocked when I saw that makeup. I was like, well, I, it never occurred to me that he would be physically deformed because people were saying Jack Nicholson doesn't have a long face. Yeah. And people were saying at the time that Willem Dafoe should have been the Joker. Yeah, and I there's a lot of talk about that, and I think it's like... Which was uh, ironic that 10 years or so later, he was the Green Goblin. Right. And um, unfortunately, um, as good as the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies were, that was probably their biggest misstep was, oh, let's put him in a plastic yeah, face mask. It's like a helmet. It's terrible. Um, and and also the suit that Tobey Maguire's in is, isn't expressive at all. There's that scene where they're on the rooftop, where he's trying to get him to join him. And, you know, it, it looks like it's pantomime. It looks like Power Rangers where they're just they're both like gesturing wildly yeah. with their arms and their heads because you can't they can't do anything with their faces. Either one of them. Right. Especially, Channing Tatum would have been good in that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't notice. But especially like Willem Dafoe, it's like you hire this guy to play the good goblin and it's like because he looks like a fucking goblin. Yeah. And then it's like, now nah, put a Power Rangers helmet on him. He'll look great. But idiots. He, but as Norman Osborn. Right. Oh, I mean, his Norman Osborn is yeah. perfect. We still like, we still quote that. I think you and I were saying yeah. you and I were saying to each other all off the air. We were just like, "Do you have any idea how much I sacrifice?" That and the the you know, I'm something of a scientist yeah. myself. <laughs> it's like he's so good in it. Um, yeah, it's a very quotable uh, movie. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that made the Andrew Garfield movies not work. It's like I don't need the Goblin again. Yeah, and I probably don't need the Goblin in the MCU. But no, I think actually we do. I um... but I'm happy that they're doing Mysterio and the Vulture. They're they're going out of their way to do villains, uh, which that I they think never is, did. Because... Which I think is a good decision. Spider Man's got a deep bench. I think this is them. Um... I think that's the next buildup. I think it's a Sinister Six we keep talking about. Is that well, that was Sony's plan initially? Yeah, right. But I think Marvel's basically going to take the Sinister Six. We'll build up them in the Spider-Man movie, and then they'll be too big for Spider-Man to fight. And then it's like, do you remember Ultimate Six? Oh yeah, that was huge. I think they'll have like the Avengers have to step in to help Spider-Man fight six supervillains who are all teaming up. I kind of disagree with that, just because Sony's hands are still in there. I mean, Sony was going to make that Sinister Six movie without Marvel. Yeah, but that's not happening anymore. Um, yeah, but with Venom and Spider Verse such big hits, and they're not part of the MCU, I think so- Sony's making Morbius. Sony's Sony's going to keep developing Spider-Man movies that don't need the MCU. They can't put a live-action Peter Parker in there. Yeah. But they got around that with Spider-Verse, and Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse won the goddamn Oscar. Yeah, it's crazy. So Sony's Sony's going to do these movies with Marvel, but I'm sure the feeling at Sony right now is, well, we don't need them. Amy Pascal's not has stepped down. She's not even part of it. Yeah. Part of Sony anymore. So I think, I, I believe in my heart of hearts until they tell me different, Phase 4 is Galactus. We've got the Fantastic Four back. I think he's a bigger threat yeah, than Thanos. I don't disagree that we'll see Galactus at some point. I just think the next thing to build up to is a group of Earth-based villains. Mm. Yeah, like yeah, whatever they give us, I'll be happy with. Um, so the trailer, like the Masters of Evil. Yeah, um, the trailer for Spider-Man hit this new yes. one. And totally different. Yes, and uh, a lot more kind of like spoilery stuff of saying like Mysterio comes from another our earth another reality yeah they said mysterious from the multiverse well it opens with so iron man's dead and yeah <laughs> and there's like posters there's posters of iron man all over the city and like he and happy are talking about about tony being gone so it's obviously not a trailer they could run before right but um 
And then they're like, this is Quentin Beck. He's from a different Earth. And they say Earth 616 is the MCU. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, but um, he's full of shit. Yeah, I think he's lying. <laughs> and I think it's like everyone's losing their minds because they think it's a multiverse. And they're like, oh, cool. We're going to get Miles Morales and all this stuff. It's like, no, Mysterio's going to be full of shit. He's yeah. full we're of shit. We're not going to get Miles it. Morales because Sony wants to keep Miles right. Morales. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, we're yeah. just, Mysterio's going to punk everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mysterio's definitely full of shit because that's what he is. Right. If he's not full of shit, they. They didn't nail what makes that character work, and they always nail what makes the character work. Yeah, even though like like Baron Zemo was just the guy who was in Inglorious Bastards, and he was just like a normal guy with a family and didn't fight anybody. It was still pretty Zemo. Yeah, like Arnim Zola was Toby Jones, and he never had a robot suit with his face in the in his chest. But they put him on a TV right. screen. They do as much as they can. They do as much as they can while making it fit within. Yeah. Uh, like the Scorpion's a guy with a tattoo on his neck. But, right but, now. but if Mysterio is not about illusion, he's not Mysterio. And I think that's the thing is like, you know, 60 years ago or whatever, uh, Mysterio can be a guy that's like a Hollywood um, special effects guy who becomes a villain. Yeah. Now it's like, all right, he's like a quantum scientist or something. And, well, you know, I, whatever, whatever his bullshit is, I'm 100 percent on board with it. Well, that's a, the problem with doing Mysterio in a movie. And in, in the in that classic sense of, oh, he's a Hollywood special effects guy. That's doing this in the real world, but you're seeing a Hollywood special effects movie. Right. So who gives a shit? Right. Where they're like, I'm making crazy things happen. I came to this movie to see crazy things happen. I came to this movie for you to tell me that the crazy special effects are real. Are real. Yeah. I don't need a character that has fake special effects in a fake special effects movie. Yes. So I think there's got to be something else going on there. And I've heard some rumors and honestly... Uh, I don't want to say because I, I don't want them to turn out to be spoilers, but I heard some rumors of what it might be. However, the whole multiverse thing, at first glance, I'm like, well, that's bullshit because audiences can't follow all those, all these separate universes and different mm, versions can. of people. Um, Into the Spider-Verse won the Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, right. you know what I mean? It's like they sold the multiverse to people, but I don't, I think this is a big red herring multiverse because it's fucking Mysterio. Well, what I'm thinking is what if the multiverse is real, but Mysterio's not part of it, that he's just lying because I saw um, one of the websites pulled this up was pressed for the original Doctor Strange, which I watched again last night. That movie's good. Yeah, I like it. Uh, but Very they Iron had, Man like, one. Yeah, but they had like Benedict Cumberbatch like talking about the different dimensions in Doctor Strange and they were showing clips in the movie. As I said, it was build up for that first movie. Yeah. And he was like, and he says in that, what if one, what if there was more than one universe? What if there was a multiverse? And what if you could go between them? And yeah. then they show clips of like the Ditko style stuff. And I'm like, well, Marvel three years ago established a multiverse, established a multiverse in the press of their movies. But obviously those things are all, filtered through and approved right but he uh they mention a multiverse in um the doctor strange movie they talk about a multiverse and then they talk about a multiverse in uh infinity or endgame or whatever when the ancient ones like uh here i can't uh, the branching universe yeah right and, so and they he, the idea has been established so it could be but he, Mor mordo talks about branching timelines when who? they mordo talks about branching time oh, mordo yeah. and wong uh yell at Doctor Strange for messing with the Forbidden Book mm -hmm. and for messing with the Eye of Agamotto. And Mordo says, do you know one understands if you mess with the natural laws of time? You could have branching timelines. You could have time loops. And of course, that movie ends with a time loop. Right. So, But he says branching timelines 
way early. Yeah, in they established Strange, this because yeah. it's then, like at this point they know uh, they're planning far enough ahead where the seeds can be planted much more organically than they were when Nick Fury shows up and says, "I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers and shit." They never roadmap then. It was just like, "Yeah, hey, let's say some crazy shit yeah. and see what happens." You know, yeah, now, let's get Samuel Jackson because that's what hits Drew, right? And all and Samuel Jackson's a big nerd who demanded to be in Star Wars, so he'll probably do yeah. it. <laughs> He'll show up for 10 minutes. Yeah, they. that's what makes the MCU so brilliant is that we had 22 movies in and it looks like it was all planned and it wasn't. All, all of it was, they just focused on the next movie and they were like, okay, what could we pull through here? What Easter eggs could we do? Yeah. And they figured out they would fight Thanos in Avengers 3, but that was it. I mean, they show the Infinity Gauntlet in Thor, they have to retcon that. Right. That's what I'm saying. Is there's mistakes along the there's way. There's mistakes along the way. Because yeah, it, it wasn't established. Yeah, Don Cheadle is not Rhodey in the first movie. Right. Well, that's... <laughs> Bruce Banner is Ed Norton yeah. in his own movie. They, not everything went perfectly. Right. Yeah, but the new Spider-Man movie just ah, makes me want to see it more. Everything about yeah. it looks great. What the thing is, I think it, it's like, it looks like a much bigger movie um, because... They obviously have this like huge war chest of like money now <laughs> that right. they can pour in to make these movies like bigger than they were when we first started. And he's going around the world. And... Yeah. And I, I oh, and like Mary Jane knows he's Spider Man and they spoil that in the trailer. Yeah. And then I, uh, I, I I'm, which whole... I'm on board with. I mean, yeah, they, I'm fine the with it. It doesn't bother me. I'm, uh, what I mean is the, uh, there, there's enough, they have enough, um, they're lying to us in the trailers now, and I'm 100% on board with them lying to us in trailers because it's yeah, They'll like, change backgrounds, they'll delete characters. Right. Yeah. How much of even like the um, Infinity War trailer wasn't in the movie and the same thing with Endgame wasn't in the movie? It's like, yeah, they should continue that going forward. I know it's with like, Endgame, they deleted any any shot that had Mark Ruffalo Hulk in it. Cause they or di- Thor. They didn't wa- yeah, because they didn't want to show Fat Thor right. and Smart Hulk. Oh, by the way, they just announced this week- the new Endgame figures, those had been under wraps. Uh, they At Toy Fair, they showed what the comic figures would be. Yeah. And there's <laughs> Rock Python. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Silver Age Loki. <laughs> the and D-list the Serpent Union Society, Jack. Dude. Beta Ray Bill in a boring suit. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'll buy all of them. But then this week, they announced who the Marvel movie figures were. And most of those were spoiler-based. There's Shuri, but Shuri looks the same as she does in Black Panther. Right. Um, uh, there's Pepper Rescue in the blue and silver right. armor. Which is spoiler. There's the War Machine in that big bulky armor. And honestly, War Machine is one of those. I don't notice the differences in the armors till they put toys out of them. Because both in in Infinity War and Endgame, I was like, when he took his helmet off, I'm like, why is his head so small? Oh, and I didn't realize he's in bigger and bigger in and Infinity bigger. Infinity War, he's in at the end fight. He's in an Iron Patriot suit. It's a bigger and it's red, white, and blue. Yeah, and the, the, and then in Endgame, it's like really bulked or, out. That's I what I mean in Endgame, that, yeah. in the last fight. Yeah, I made to figure that. But then the Build-A-Figure is Smart Hulk. Yeah, which and, is so. awesome. I actually uh, was kind of, we'll, we'll see what happens, because they talked about how they had to split not only the universe in half by killing half the people so they can manage the story arcs, but that they were giving uh, Hulk and Thor story arcs throughout Ragnarok and then the two Avengers movies. So mm. they each kind of have this like longer arc that takes place over movies. At this point, it's like you could do a Hulk movie. I think, I think that kind of smart Hulk thing worked. Well, the, the issue with the Hulk movie 
is it's kind of the same issue with Spider-Man. Um, they don't really like to talk about right. it. Right. But they have a deal where Universal, who made the Ang Lee Hulk movie, yeah. that had Jennifer Connelly and Betty Brandt, as we've now established. Yeah. Uh, Find your Betty Brandt. They still have some rights to the Hulk. So yes. Marvel Studios... They might not be able to. Marvel Studios can't make a Hulk movie with, I, I think, at paying or buying it from Universal. And, and honestly, both Hulk movies didn't do that well. So financially, it makes more sense to just have Hulk in the Avengers or Thor. I mean... I mean, Hulk doesn't naturally fit into Thor any more than Iron Man naturally fit into Spider-Man. They found a story reason. Yeah, they figure it out. Uh, but I'm sure, at, or Thor in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, which is very likely what's going to happen next. Yeah, and I think but part Hulk's of it, too, is there's so much to for them to do. There's so many characters. There's so much to juggle now that it's like... Yeah, you could just slide Hulk into the next Avengers yeah. movie and call it a day. You can kind of do that for free, whereas it's going to be way more expensive to make a Hulk movie. Right. And as I said, they don't have the sales to back it up. They're not like, oh, well, the first Hulk movie was huge, but then the second one didn't do it. No Hulk movie's done well. Yeah. You know, the only, the most successful solo Hulk thing was the Bill Bixby show in the 70s. Yeah, I, I kind of I disagree only in the sense that I think um, they made Guardians of the Galaxy work in Ant-Man, so it's like... Hulk could make Ant-Man money, and it's not going to be any more effects heavy. Because yeah, it's but like, why is it worth it to give Universal a bunch of money well, for that's a movie what I'm that's going to make Ant-Man money when they could make a Moon Knight movie? Right, that's what I'm saying they'll yeah. end up doing, is they're not going to do it because they can't make it work. They're going to do it because it's they don't have to write Universal check. Right, and but and also, since they've already made two of them, is the world really clamoring for another Hulk movie? I love Mark Ruffalo as Hulk, yeah. but I don't need two hours of Mark Ruffalo as Hulk. And also... Uh, the way Mark Ruffalo plays the Hulk, it really diffuses the Hulk. It really diffuses that tension of Banner and the Hulk. I mean, they've they've run that whole story through all the Avengers. I don't know that I need two hours of like Mark Ruffalo afraid that he's going to turn into the Hulk. They did that so well in Avengers One, yeah, and and two that yeah, you know, both those now it's resolved. I mean, yeah, it, it'd be fun to see Smart Hulk running around and running around, but I I love this idea. It's like Nick Fury. Like, there was talk that there was going to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie, and it was going to star Samuel L. Jackson, Scarlett Johansson, and Jeremy Renner. And it never happened. Now we're getting a Black Widow movie, which is weird, because she's dead. Prequel. Uh, and Prequel. And then Hawkeye's getting a streaming show. Um, yeah, if you wanted to, you could make a Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. movie today, have Samuel L. Jackson star in it. It would do really well. But they've never really wanted to. It's like, okay, he'll be in Avengers here. He'll be in Endgame here. He'll be part of Captain Marvel. But they haven't felt the need to make a Nick Fury movie. And at this point, I just trust them that it's – I trust them more than I trust the books. Yeah. That I'm like – I I've never gone out and bought a Doctor Strange, a Guardians of the Galaxy, or a, a Captain Marvel, or an Ant-Man comic in my life. I've read some, yeah. but I didn't – I never went to a stand and went, oh, the number one of Doctor Strange is up and I'm going to bet it. Get it. And all of those characters have creative teams I liked. I've never bought them. I went to every one of those movies opening weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think the uh, it's a lot easier. They It's like they've proven that 22 movies or whatever, they got a pretty good track record. It's like uh, they're making a Shang-Chi movie. I don't care anything about Shang-Chi. No, I'm like, I, don't, I love I don't to see like what they're going to do with them. You know, it's I like, can't believe Shang-Chi wasn't a Netflix series. Yeah. I, Instead well, of Iron Fist. Yeah, well. Iron Fist would have made a better movie. It probably would have. Um, and with that dude's terrible. You did all the Kunlun stuff Weird. as a movie. Yeah. Although that's kind of close to what they did in Doctor Strange. Like, I can't yeah, see Kunlun being much different than close to H1 Doctor Strange's origin. But, yeah, one of the things I find interesting in Spider-Man is that is there's 
they've been doing little nods to other villains. So they've been squeezing in multiple villains without needing to do it where, you know, Scorpion, Tinker and Shocker are all in Homecoming. Right. But not in not in parts not that Not in any like meaningful that just, way. That distract. Yeah. Right. Enough to give them like they have as much of an origin as they need in that movie baked in to where the or- the movie's really about the vultures yes. the bad guy, but it's like here's a couple goons that can set up other villains. The Tinker sets up half the Spider-Man villains are b- b- based on Tinker attack. Yeah. You know, it's and, like, it's super easy. And that's what I like in this is that they have these elemental monsters that they showed in both trailers. Every one of them could be a Spider-Man villain. They're Molten Man, Sandman, and Hydra Man. Right. Um, and it's been, I've been racking my brain for a month to try to think of an air Spider-Man villain that might be a fourth elemental. Like, the Spider-Man fight the four elements? I don't have one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they need one, you no, know? But it's it like, I don't need to see a guy made out of tornadoes. It would have been cool. I mean, yeah, because there's Whirlwind, but he's not a Spider-Man villain. Could use Warland. Yeah. He doesn't have to be a Spider-Man villain to be in the movie. Well, know? they use Ghost for Ant-Man and the Wasp, and that's, that's what I'm Iron saying. Man At villain. this point, share the share the wealth. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm. Well, that's the thing. It's like I. Uh. I. I'm hoping. Uh. Coming home or homecoming or whatever it's called. Uh. Far from, far home, from home is uh just full of surprises. If the whole thing's a lie, I'm all I'm all on board for whatever they're doing. Right. Yeah. Because the the truth has been better i mean uh better than my fan the fan fiction in my head right and i've argued about this all the time that like when people say i didn't like that movie because i didn't because i expected something different yeah that makes weird, it a better movie in it's my a opinion. weird argument to me yeah not that i didn't like what happened but like oh i thought this character was going to do this i was like and then they surprise you and yeah that's a bad thing there are three movies that people hate for that reason that I kind of like, which are Star Wars The Last Jedi, Iron Man 3, and Batman Returns. Yeah. I like all, all those movies because they defied my expectations. And they're not my favorite movies ever. Sure. There are other movies in the franchises I like more, but I don't I don't hit them because... Yeah, the, the worst is the Iron Man 3, is that Twist is great, and everyone's like, they should have given us the Mandarin we deserved, and it's like, no one, the Mandarin is no one's favorite villain. No one deserves the Mandarin. No one can point to a good Mandarin story. Yeah, and he's ridiculous. Yeah. He's like a, he's an ancient racist Chinese villain. shit villain. That has ten magic rings from outer space. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Uh, I remember um, uh, Mark Hammond, who who manages Oh Yeah Comics in New York. Yeah, uh, he's a good friend of ours. We met him uh, when he managed the one in Skokie. He has the Infinity Gauntlet tattooed on his hand. Yes. So if uh, if you ever go to a convention, if you're in Artist Alley and you see Art and Franco, Mark's usually there. Look for a big guy with a goatee and uh, Infinity Gauntlet on his hand. He has yeah. like the Infinity Gems tattooed on his hand, which now makes him. 10 times as cool as it was. Yeah. And I told him one time, I'm like, you should get the Mandarin rings next. He's like, I'm, no, I'm no, not no one. No one has Mandarin ring tattoos. <laughs> so not to be outdone, uh, Marvel as a publishing unit is, they've been teasing this for weeks. CB Sobolski, uh came out and said, I've got an idea for something that will sell a million comics. Right. So for context, uh, there are not a million people in the world that read comic books. The no. comic book reading public is they estimate about 300,000 people because uh, that's just like how the biggest books uh, every month do that much in sales. Um, a couple books have recently sold a million copies. Uh, Detective Comics, 1,000. Yep. Action Comics, 1,000. 
And DC put out a DC Nation number zero last year around Free Comic Book Day for 25 cents. And that book sold a million copies. Really? And I think there was one more from Marvel. I can't remember what Well, book. back in the 90s, no, uh, I know, Spider-Man like number one, Jim Lee's X-Men number right, one. I'm talking all like of these books sold a million copies, times. and then which led to the artists uh, all quitting Marvel. Yeah. Because when they saw the sales, and they, they saw it come back. So then there was all of this... Um, there was all of this speculation about uh, what this book was. And then this week, there just started being teases. Yeah, it was weird. So I follow a lot of the comic artists on Instagram. And all of a sudden, on the same day, I don't know what day this was, they all had the image. And it was yeah, their it was a name comic, yeah. with a creative, with a different creator with them, like a writer and artist team, because it's all artists I'm following. Mm-hmm. And they all shared them like it must have been like a you know planned or whatever hey on saturday or monday or whatever everyone share this on your social media so it's a pretty cool idea that they're doing yeah and it came right on the heels of patrick gleason announced that he just signed a marvel exclusive contract which i'm really excited about because he's a great artist and dc's dc's kind of used him as like a mark bagley where he's a he's, workhorse. He, yeah, he's this dependable guy, and he he puts the work in month in month out. They've always given him a secondary title. Yes, uh, he's done some amazing runs. Green Lantern Corps is a perfect example. Was he did a great run on that, but nobody was paying attention to it because Jeff Johns was doing Green Lantern, right. and that was rotating artists. I mean, um, Pacheco did some issues, and Ivan Reese did some issues, and Ethan Van Skyver did some issues, and um, uh, uh, who else? Uh, John Arcudi did some issues. Uh, but Gleason just stayed on Green Lantern Corps. Then when the new 52 came out, uh, Gleason did Batman and Robin, which is maybe the most underrated Batman run ever. Uh, but at the time you had Snyder and Capullo on Batman. And so they didn't get it. But Tomasi and Gleason did this amazing run. Tomasi, I think, wrote Green Lantern Corps with him. Like yes, they were, so they were a team together. already. They liked each other and moved to Batman and Robin together. Fortunately, DC put out an omnibus of that Batman and Robin run. It's massive. Yeah. And when I, I bought it and read it all the way through again, and it's incredible. And then he's been doing things here and there. So he announced the beginning of the week he just signed for Marvel. And I'm like, you know what? I think Marvel is going to make him a bigger deal. Like, they're going to put him on an Avengers title. They're going to put him on... No, wait. Are they going to put him on? I think they're putting him on Amazing Spider-Man, rotating with Otley. Oh, yeah, that works because they yeah. have a very similar style. Yeah, that's cool. So he's going to be doing that. So then they then this week, all of these names started coming out with Marvel. So I thought they were going to announce another big shakeup. Yeah, and you know, San Diego's coming. We're yeah. waiting for whatever that MCU panel is going to be at San Diego, so they can tell us about these seven movies that they're making now that they've told that's no one lose about. Our minds. Yeah. Uh, so I thought they'd be like, Hey, Patrick Gleason's going to be on this and this guy's going to be on Iron Man and this guy's going to be on Captain America. And then they'd brand it like Marvel today or yeah, you know, whatever. whatever stupid banner yeah. that they forget in six months. But it turns out, no, they're all doing this one book. And what this book is going to be is an, it's an 80 page book, but every page is a different story. So yeah. all these teams are doing one page stories, which is kind of brilliant. Because yeah, you can get these guys, cool to, idea. You can get these guys to do it in a day. You don't have to worry about scheduling so much, right? It, everyone can hit that deadline. Yeah, and it comes out in August, so they got plenty of time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I noticed. I figured it was going to be something not 
it, the big tip off to me was that they got Alan Heinberg, who did Young Avengers with Jim Chung. Yeah. Jim Chung made an announcement with the two of their names. And I'm like, oh, they're going to bring Young Avengers back. I'm like, no, they're not bringing Young Avengers back. This is going to be like a. It's not going to be a full run. And that's like, of course, they're doing yeah. a page. Yeah, I thought it was going to be you know? an event like it'll be after, like after um, War of the Realms, there'll be a big event and they'll. These guys are all doing one shots, and then there were just so many of them that There's I was like, "Too many! That's yeah. too many books." So it's not an event, right? It's too many books to be a line wide shakeup because they don't make this many books. But I have uh, a partial list. Yeah, there were two different lists that came out. Well, Marvel put out a big image oh. uh, as the names came in, but it ends with many more. Yeah. <laughs> so should I should I read the list? How many names are on it? I don't know, it might be 80. That's a lot. Maybe the highlights. I think there's a lot of really cool, like Steve Rude is coming in to do yeah. one of the pages is awesome. Alan Davis, obviously, is awesome. Yeah. He's coming in. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is doing a story. I don't know who that is. He's a basketball player. He was oh. an airplane. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, Jason Aaron, a lot of a lot of the... Yeah, a lot of guys you expect. Oh, find no. out, is it Jerry Ordway or one of the um, like older guard guy is kind of shepherding the whole thing? There's there is a story in this issue that's uh, like a, the a thread, thread, yeah. But they say uh, they're gonna a lot of these stories are gonna be like golden age characters that Marvel hasn't used in decades. Well, I think because it's I, Marvel's 80th anniversary, this book will be taking place over 80 years. Yeah, it'll be an 80 year story. I do not see Jerry Ordway's name. It's on this. somebody look for one of those uh, older guard fellers. Uh, Patrick Gleason is is on this. Ron Garney, Neil Gaiman's doing something. That's cool. Uh, Mike Diodato, Peter David, Jerry Conway, Alan Davis. I'm going to read the list. Ready? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to read the list and you can stop me and we yeah. can talk about people. Jason Aaron, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Daniel Acuna, uh, Saladin Ahmed, uh, who is doing Miles Morales now. Oh, okay. He did that really good annual with the symbiote uh, oh, of Amazing yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Michael Allred, Chris Anka, Kia Azamia, Jen Bartel, Joe Bennett. Nick Bradshaw, Doug Braithwaite, Mark Bright. I'm a big Mark Bright fan. Mark Bright did a. I really liked. Uh, Mark Bright did a lot of cool stuff in the '80s. Hmm. Did a lot of the Silver Centurion Iron Man's. Oh, okay. He did Green Lantern when he came back with the Reed Richard hair. Um, sometimes he was listed as N.D. Bright. Uh, Ed Brisson, Mark Buckingham's another guy I haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I really like. Well, that's him. what's cool is that there's a lot of people. It's like uh, I don't know that there's ever been this many creators on any single issue. No, it has. I mean, it has to be 80 pages. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Busiek's doing stuff, uh, Juan Cabal, Jerry Conway, Peter David, Alan Davis, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Tom DeFalco, um, Matea Di Ruiz, Mike Diodato, Jerry Dugan, Steve Epting, Alluing, Eve Alluing, Jorge, Jorge, Jorge Fornes, Ron Friends, Neil Gaiman, Ron Garney, Kieran Gillen, Patrick Gleason, Glenn David Gold, Adam, Adam F. Goldberg, Butch Geis, Gabriel Hardman, James Harron, Alan Heinberg, Jonathan Hickman's doing something. Joe Hill, Teeny Howard, James Monroe Eigelhart, Catherine Immerman, Stuart Immerman, JJ Who are Kirby. both retired. That was another tip-off. They retired. Yeah. So they're coming in to do one page because they're doing a... Because they can still do a page. Yeah, yeah. They're actually doing a great Instagram called Glass of Parnassus. Ooh. And um, it's been going on for a couple months. It, every Monday they put out a new like couple panels. And uh, I have no idea what it's about. And I've been reading it for months. Yeah, this it's is amazing. Good, there's a lot of names I don't recognize. Um, Leonard... Leonard Kirk is really good. He yeah, did, he's he, great. He, he did, did that James Atlas. He did that James Robinson Fantasy Four yep. run. Uh, Irene Coe, Adam Kubert, Derek Landy, Pepe Larez, Salvador Laraca, who uh, we were just talking about, 
did Fractions Iron Man, um, but did Darth Vader. He was really good on yeah. Star Wars. Um, Eric Larson, Jason Latour, Jeff Lemire, Rob Liefeld. Rob Liefeld and Jeff, mm. Rob Liefeld, Jeff Loeb. I think a lot of this is going to be... Um, pinups? Not pinups, but I think it's, it's going to be like something's moving through the history of the Marvel Universe. It's like Rob Liefeld's going to do a cable. X-Force, a cable. Yeah, yeah they're all going to kind of do what they're known for. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Phil Lord, Jeff Loeb, um, David, Lo- David Lopez. Uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller are doing it, Paige, yeah. um, who did Into the Spider-Verse. Um, David Mandel. Who is running Veep? Who's a oh. big, big geek? Yeah, he's a big comic guy. In fact, uh, a few weeks ago, Julie Louis Dreyfus and Mark Hamill were on the same episode of Seth Meyers, and they posted an Instagram together. And David Mandel lost his mind. Yeah, <laughs> and then Mark Hamill yeah. tweeted back. He's like, "Hey, maybe I can be on one of your shows." And he's like, "Yes, yes, <laughs> you can." But I think this is his first comic work. Marcos Martin, who I know you're a big fan yeah, of. Yeah, I love that guy. Oscar Martin, Ed McGinnis, Steve McNiven, Paca Medina, Brad Meltzer. Uh, Takashi Mayazawa, Chris Moodyham, Ryan North, Phil Noto, Raymond Obstfeld, Carlos Pacheco, Greg Pack, Goran Parloff, George Perez. And George Perez just Yeah, George retired. Perez is retired. So I wonder if that's like reprint or reused material. Or maybe? maybe he did this before he retired. Yeah. You know, with, we don't know how long with this a has book been like this, they could have been working on this for a year. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Priest, Joe Casada. Who doesn't draw much anymore? Rod Reese, Jason Reynolds, Adam Riches. Alex Ross is doing one. Yeah. Oh, Alex Ross is doing a Marvels again. Not a full series. They're going to do like a single issue. Huh. And it's going to be like out. part of Marvels somehow. Interesting. Rainbow Rowell. I don't know who that is. Mm. Uh, Steve Rude. Uh, uh, Leonardo Romero. Matthew Rosenberg. Uh, Jesus Says, Tim Sale, Chris Samney, Jeff Shaw, Gail Simone, well, Walt Simonson, Dan Slott, Corey Smith, Charles Sewell, Cameron Stewart, who did a lot of uh, yeah. Batman Incorporated, uh, Jason Michael Straczynski, who left Marvel After 10 four, years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Taboo, Tom Taylor, uh, Julian Totino Tedesco, Roy Thomas is doing something, Kelly Thompson, uh, Jeffrey Verege, Mark Wade, who... I've uh, been doing a lot of little things in Marvel for a while. David F. Walker, Christian Ward, Dustin Weaver, Chris Weston, Toby Whithouse, uh, who's written Doctor Who. He's written episodes of Doctor Who. Jeremy Whitley, Lionel Francis Yu, who's did Secret, uh, Invasion. Secret Invasion, did a great run on Wolverine. Chip Zdarsky, who just finished, who's oh, doing Life Story, which is oh, actually really interesting. Yeah. Patrick Zercher. Uh, Patrick Zercher did Cable and Deadpool. Uh, I've asked it, Patrick Sergio to come on the podcast. He didn't want to talk that long. <laughs> uh, Jim Zub and many more. Are yeah. we over? T- no, I thought we were <laughs> over time reading all those names. I imagine if you are an A list creator and you are not on this, you're probably a salty. Like Jim Lee yeah. wasn't named, but he's the no, but he's guy a DC, at DC. But so. like Neil Adams wasn't named. And right, I, Neil Adams, I could see being salty. Uh, only one of the Kuberts. I think it was Adam, not Andy. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's cool. I think it will do it. I think this will probably sell. I'm going to buy it. Yeah, I may copies. buy it digitally because I don't know that I need this single issue in a long right. box. So I might just buy it on Comixology. Did they but give a price point for it? No, nah, I'm guessing it's going to be 10 bucks because that's uh, what Detective and yeah. Action were. It's 80 pages. I'm sure it's going to be like hard, hard cover stock. Yeah. You know, glued binding. Um, yeah, it's going to be a trade paperback. Basically. And it's, it'll too, it'll, you know, this will be like a primer, like if Hickman's on it, it'll be like, all right, it'll be a primer for whatever X-Men's going to look like when that comes I don't know. out. I, th- I think it's, I, it might be 
everything very self-contained. It might be all one-offs. I Wyatt don't think Red. anything's going to be a tease for a run, mm. but it might it might be people doing their character, and then I don't think anything's going to be like to be continued in my book. Uh, well, but I could see like I think is they're introducing some kind of like new concept. Um, I can't remember what it's called. It it's like an infinity gauntlet type thing, like a yeah. weapon, like a cosmic cube type item in the book that's never been around before and i think they're going to kind of sprinkle it in through the marvel history and then that will tease whatever a big event is next and i could also see people using their pet characters i know uh jeff Loeb is doing the page with tim sale i don't know he's also worked a lot with liefeld but but i know he's working with colored books with tim sale yeah so that it could be somebody from there i could see like if jonathan hickman has say a lot of plans for nightcrawler that maybe his page focuses on nightcrawler but I, uh, it also sounds like the idea is, can you do a full story in one page? Right. So I don't think anything's going to be four panels and be like, and then go buy Savage Avengers. No, I don't think it's going to be that big. I think it's like overarching whatever this book is overarchingly about. I Might think then be, play out. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think it's it's going to be just uh, it's going to be what the action comics was, where here's a bunch of little stories done by great creative teams, kind of going through the history of Superman, right? And the detective comics was the same way or for Batman, yeah. And yeah, it's it was like, like all these milestone the, are they're cool books. It's all the A listers on this character that we can still get. I mean, Danny O'Neill and Neil Adams did stories in that in Detective. Paul Dini did a story in there, right? Um, so it's whoever they can still get. I, but, you know, just out of the curiosity, I'll buy it. That's a lot of names. Yeah. I like I said, I, I don't know for a fact, but I don't know that more creators have been on any other single issue. That's a lot. That is a lot. It's it's a lot. Yeah. It's the Avengers endgame of one yeah, book. <laughs> of creators. Well, because that's the thing is like we just listed off a bunch of artists and writers. Yeah. No letters, colorists, nothing. You know, it's listed there. You, you know, know, what's sad is. It would have been nice if Stan Lee could have done something, yeah. but he said uh, he said about five years ago he couldn't really see. He's like, they take me to these movies, I can't even see the movies in the theater because it was nineties. Yeah, you know, That's so crazy. so I don't think he could have written something. It'll no. probably be dedicated. Yeah, definitely. Well, it'll be dedicated. To everybody, it'll be like Stan and Jack and Steve Ditko and right. everybody who's passed on. All these and, dudes that kind of built everything. Yeah, guys like Wally Wood, and you know, because there are going to touch on the Golden Age, so it's going to be all these Golden Age creators. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's cool about it is it'll kind of go back as a retrospective, which, um, you know, I'm all about going you know, back. Uh, you know what? I did not see a Ramita on there. Oh. Senior or Well, junior. I wonder if I know junior, junior is, is an exclusive. Yeah, but Senior yeah. still draws. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe it's like part of the, and many more is the who they haven't gotten to commit. Right. You know? Yeah. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they could get just guys to do sketches and maybe right like a big collage would be nice if it was like uh the cover was a huge collage of like just everybody doing a sketch of one character yeah i think they released the cover as uh alex ross yeah it's painted but it's uh it's a homage cover where it has like here's colossus from giant size x-men number one and here's you know dr strange from some ditko cover or something it's like they do have it's a very homage cover it's cool yeah so regardless of what the story is or what the content is uh see they sold it at least to me, I mean, I, I think they sold to a lot of people. I saw people. Have they sold were, it to you? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm uh, I I read not most of, but um, Mar- I'm reading more Marvel comics than any other title or company right now. So this is totally up my alley. The greatest thing in the world this week. 
So what we do in the shadows is now an FX TV show. I may have talked about this before, but uh, I know I talked about the movie when it came yeah. out on DVD. It's, and it's, it's kind of become one of my, it's one of my favorite improv movies ever. It's definitely one of my favorite horror comedies ever made. Um, it's absolutely genius. But the sh- when the show was announced, I was like, oh, this isn't going to be as good. Because the show was improv and it was New Zealand and it was low budget. And I'm like, well, let's do this episode after episode. And it was set in America. And I'm like, this doesn't seem like it's going to be a good idea. Although yeah. uh, FX is doing it. And honestly, FX does not put out a lot of comedies I don't like. I mean, they do Always Sunny. Right. They did You're the Worst, which I loved. I mean, they did Louie before we found out the kind of person Louie was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There were signs. Yeah, they were. They they do a lot of really good stuff. And then I saw the first one, and I'm like, okay, that's okay, that's good. And it's uh, Matt Berry's in it, who was in the IT Crowd, uh, which is a show I just adore, and some characters I uh, actors I've never seen before, but then they were funny, and it was pleasant enough. Um, it's a great character actor who's been in The Office and Better Call Saul, and Vanessa Bayer did one, and it was it was good for like I'm like, okay, this is like. Ash versus Evil Dead. It's like, okay, I'm not going to get another movie, but this is pretty good. And then last week, it just shot maybe past the movie. And uh, Doug Jones has been, been in it as like a Nosferatu vampire because, yeah. you know, you can dress Doug Jones it up as anything. anything. <laughs> Guy's chameleon. Um, but this episode, I won't give spoilers about it, but I was like, wow, this episode's on another level. And then I went back to show it to Ben and Jermaine Clement wrote it and Taika Waititi directed it. Oh. So he directed the pilot yeah. and he directed this one. And it's so full of cameos. They're all they're all great, but it was shocking. And then it realized, okay, this is Taika after he directed Ragnarok. Because there's like, um, not to get too far into the story, because there is a continuing story through the season, but they have to meet with like a council of vampires, mm-hmm. and every vampire is somebody. Like Kristen Shaw shows up as a vampire, and she's yeah. hilarious. And then Dave Batista is a vampire, and he's like, he's got like the like the buffy like big brow, and I'm like, who is that guy? Who is that guy? And then he was like, I'm a vampire. And I've been here for a long time. And yeah. I'm like, that's Drax. That's Dave, that's Dave Batista. Yeah, and then in the, the Council of Vampires, and you could tell uh you could tell they shot it all separately. But Tilda Swinton is in it. Oh. And uh Paul Rubens is in it, and Danny Trejo is in it, and Wesley Snipes is in it. Yeah. And I realized and all three characters from the film are in it. So Taika and Jermaine are in it with like the New Zealand comedian. And they're all in the Council of Vampires, and it's all hilarious and it looks like Evan Rachel Wood is in it um, and I'm trying to figure this out because they said Kate Blanchett wanted to be in it but she had never played a vampire before so they were like then you can't be on the council because oh it was only people that it was people vamp- that had played but vampires before has never been a vampire before no but he wasn't on the council oh okay so and so I was trying to figure it out I don't know when Tilda Swinton's been a vampire but I didn't point it out to later is that uh, Wesley Snipes is Blade in it because they say, they say, and Wesley Snipes is here. He's a day walker. And they, oh. then he goes, they're like, but he kills vampires. And Tilda Swinton goes, no, he's half vampire. Dan Trey goes, then I'm only going to listen to half his opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's on, and, uh, and he's on Skype. And Paul Rubens, Paul Rubens was a vampire in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Okay. And he's like, he's like, your Skype is glitchy. Uh, but it's all of the I don't know when a, Evan a. Rachel Wood who's in, on Westworld now I don't know when she played a vampire but they also say like the vampires who are not here 
And they're like, Rob, Rob is not here. And I'm like, I had to look it up. I'm like, who's a vampire named Rob? And I was like, oh, it's Twilight. That's Rob Patterson. Oh. And then they go, Tom and Brad, they are not here. <laughs> and they started oh, listing from, like uh, all from Interview, interview with, with a vampire. vampire. They start listing everyone who had been a vampire. But it's also hilarious. It was one of the funniest episodes. And it had that kind of, it had that kind of, uh, that Taika YTT kind of, the very downplayed um I uh kind of humor. Yeah. Where uh they're like they're walking down, they're walking down a hall and they're going in like and Kristen Scholl's like one of those vampires that glides and doesn't move her legs. And then they go they go, Is this a magic hallway? She goes, No, it's just a freaky long hallway. <laughs> and I was like, That's the freaky circle. <laughs> yeah, they're weird. <laughs> um, but this one episode pushed me over to where like I love this show now in a way that I loved Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. Where it's like, I love the movie and the TV show is now the second movie. Yeah. Uh, There's still three episodes left on FX. You can watch all the episodes on the FX Now app. Uh, So if you have FX, it unlocks it for free. Yeah. Otherwise, I'll probably have to wait until Netflix or Hulu picks it up. I was considering buying it, but it's not that cheap for a 10 episode series. Yeah. Uh, But it's... over the period of the last six episodes, this has become my favorite show that's on now. That's awesome. Yeah, I heard about that show, and I was like, oh, every time you hear about them making like a show of a thing, it's like a spinoff or something, it's always kind of like, are people even going to care about this? So it's kind of nice to hear it's, uh, it's well-received. Yeah. Uh, so they Marvel's been putting out... Um, they're, they've re-released Marvel's uh, as like a monthly book. Because there's four issues. Is this or what whatever. you were mentioning before with Alex Ross doing something? Uh, kind of. So um, they re-released Marvels, and uh, we talked about on a while ago on the shows. For there's a uh, a massive hardcover for Marvels that was put out for I think it's 25th anniversary, like last year, two years ago. The right. book's the size of a coffee table. It's enormous. There's, they're starting to do a lot of those. I just talked to Ron Mars, who's been on the show on Twitter. Yeah, and. Uh, he was looking for the Behold Galactus hardcover, where mm-hmm. they did the Galactus trilogy and the like. Each Galactus story up to John Byrne, yeah, uh, and it's the size of the original artwork, so right? It, so it's like an IDW artist edition, but in color, yeah. So they're doing a lot of these, and that's what this was. And Marvel is a very short series; it's like four issues, and then yeah, they're double like size, but issue. yeah, I have right. a premier hardcover; it is not that big. Right, but the majority of the book is all the extra crap that was in Marvel's, like interviews and all this other sketches, stuff. And- sketches, endless, uh, you know, uh, paintings and stuff by Alex Ross. Um, so they're re-releasing Marvel's monthly now for the anniversary, I think, and it's uh, annotated. It's Marvel's annotated is what they're calling it. So then the it's the issue, and then at the back of it, it's like. Here's through the issue all like the little things we like hid in the book. Yeah, DC did this years ago with Sandman. Right, right, and um, it's it, it's really good. So it's kind of good to like reread it. And they just did the Galactus issue where it's how the public reacted to like Galactus like yeah, first showing up, issue. and then they they go through and you know they Alex Ross is like painting Jack Kirby panels essentially, which will never get old. Right. And um, it's also the brilliance of it. I didn't get it till like the fifth or sixth time I read it was that it's all regular panels of people looking up and freaking out. But every time you see the Fantastic Four, it's a redraw of a Kirby panel and it's a full page spread. Yeah. Yeah. To kind of, and there's silent pages because yeah. it's like they're kind of showing like 
how big this stuff is. Um, so it's been a minute since I've read a comic that um, has such like a deep dive into just like layers and layers of things going on in it and re reading, rereading Marvel's not only like monthly, which had a bigger impact, I think, than reading it all in one shot. Um, and then uh, reading all this material in the back of the book that shows like what's in the book. It's like one of the guys on the street is like a guy that owns an ice cream shop that was shown in like one issue of Fantastic Four. And he like worked. A- it's like every panel is just crammed with like um, the people who would have really been there. They right. researched the skyline of New York to make sure they were painting a whatever year the book came out in, that's the skyline they're painting in New York. There's, there's all the references he used for the faces. Like, oh, yeah. Like Russell, the professor from Gilligan's Island is Reed Richards. And yeah. He, who, Kingdom Comes like that, where a lot of my friends that were like a lot of the Chicago artists comics. Right, are in. Are in Kingdom Come. Yeah. And, uh, some of the artists I worked with in the 90s who were in New York but were friends with Alex Russell. Right. They would open the page and go, that's me. And you're like, oh, yeah, it is. It's just like you. Yeah. yeah. There's a guy that used to shop at 10th Planet that's the model for Captain Cold because he knows Alex Ross from something. Yeah, Shazam uh, was a good friend of Alex Ross that I met at a convention and hung, hung out with him in a bar one night. And it was hilarious. Yeah. He was the most Chicago guy I ever wrote. I ever met where he was like, you know what I hate, John? Helping people move. And then he went on for 10 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, let, let's see how long this goes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a guy applied for a, a commercial shoot we were doing at work. And uh, as part of his resume said that he played Superman. And he's the model for Superman. Frank Casey, I think, huh. is his name. And it's like, he looks just like, it's crazy, because it's like, oh, yeah, you look you look just like he looks in the book. And it's the same guy for, like, Captain America and stuff. But um, these, like, deep dive books are awesome. So when it comes to this, like, Marvel 1000 they're doing, it's like, this kind of stuff is like, uh, I eat this shit up. You know, yeah. I'm like a huge so fan. So the annotated Marvels are the monthly books? Yeah, so it's monthly, it's the four issues, and then in the back of the issue it has like a lot of annotated material. Nowhere near as much as what was in that hardcover, and it looks to be most of the stuff is what was in that big hardcover mm-hmm. they did. But it's part of their um, their like big anniversary they're doing, because it's the 80th anniversary of Marvel, so they're putting out like right. a lot of... Which is what this 1,000 is. Right, exactly. Um, but right. then, so, the, I guess they announced they're doing, and I'd have to look into it, or maybe somebody on the internet who's smarter than me, can see if it's Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross doing it, but they are doing one more issue of Marvels. Mm. That's I, I don't know what it's going to be or when it takes place or anything else about it other than it's coming. Um, and I think that's like uh, that's awesome. I, I would kind of love to see a fifth issue of Marvels that's like maybe gets to the end of the Bronze Age because it ends with Gwen Stacy. Yeah, um, you know what I'm embarrassed to tell you. It, when I bought Marvel's number one when it came out. Yeah. I remember this really clearly because I was in college and Bulletproof Comics had just opened. I uh, wasn't working there yet, but I was shopping there. And I had to go to like a psychological test for a credit. Mm-hmm. And I went in before and I bought Marvel's one. And then I went to the office and nobody showed up. So I sat outside the office for like half an hour waiting and I read all of Marvel's one. And I went, meh, I'm not going to read the other ones. Yeah. Because the first one all takes place in the golden age. And I'm like... Eh, it's nobody I care about. Yeah. And ignored the other three and oh, then wow. had to go back and pay secondhand prices to get them. Right. And I it always feel kind of lame. Come? Yeah, it was the first thing Alex Ross really did. Yeah. And in fact, Kingdom Come was done because Marvel's was a big hit. That right. DC was like, why don't you come over here and do stuff? What do you want to do with DC? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it was Mark Wade instead of Kurt Busiek. Yeah. Well, that's what I really like is like... um. 
he's one of those dudes where you know he's always kind of doing covers, so you're always kind of seeing his work. Yeah, um, he did a long run on Batman when Grant Morrison was there. He did yeah. like every cover for a year. He did Batman covers. He did Superman covers for about a year. He did Spider Man covers. He's for doing Spider Man for, for about he was a doing year. Like the end covers. of Dan Slott's run. Yeah, it's like he basically has been a cover artist, which is great because I mean he's probably the best cover artist in the game. But um, it, it, him coming back to like do interior panels is always kind of like a treat because it doesn't happen too often. And when it does, it's like uh, I have a lot of opinions about comic book artists, and it's but it's like uh, intellectually speaking, this dude is the best yeah. current working comic book artist. And especially uh, when he's, he's teamed up with a really strong writer. Yeah, I think, well, that's why it's nice to see him work you look with, like, his, Kurt Busiek, Paul yeah, Dini, yeah, Mark, Mark Wade. Wade. Yeah, you know, I was working I was, with the best writers. I was not the biggest fan of Justice. I, the story didn't quite hold me together. Uh, as, I think Kruger. Well. Kruger, yeah. Yeah. And, and Kruger, I think, wrote a lot of Earth X. Yeah, and, well, a lot of that stuff is, like, co-written. And Justice, yeah. part of Justice, too, and I like Doug Braithwaite. Doug Braithwaite does the pencils in that book. Right, he does because basically storytelling. I like Doug Braithwaite. Yeah, I like him a lot. He did a lot of Captain America when Mark Wade was around. Yeah, yeah, like when the part Kubert's of his run was or cool. Garney weren't doing it. Well, if you would like to tell us what you're looking forward to most this summer from Marvel, whether it's Far From Home, Marvel Comics 1000, or Alex Ross, uh, which is in Marvel Comics 1000, <laughs> or these Marvels, let us know. You can follow me at Not In My Book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social feed. Uh, we... I will usually read what you tell me, and I will usually like what you tell me, unless you tell me something really awful. Uh, but that is a great way to get in touch with me. If you want to talk to the show in general, Facebook is the best place for that. Facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics is our official page, and that's where we post most of the news stories. That's the first place we tell you when the new episode is out, and that is a place where we post things like the Spider-Man trailer. Uh, and other and sometimes there's just jokes on there that I think are funny. Yeah. And then uh, you can and Stephen, how do you follow the show? You can follow the show on Spotify, Stitcher, or iTunes is where we can be found. We are part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Um. And how do we follow you? Uh, and then you can uh, occasionally find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>